In this episode, Logan and I will be discussing some practical steps to help you become a better encourager. We'll also be diving into some simple things you can do today, as well as those big, hard-hitting things you can do to be there for somebody. So, thanks for joining us today. I'm Zach. And I'm Logan, and we're both excited to bring to you another episode of Bearing Up. Zach, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, Now, Election Day is just a couple of days away, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that, Logan. Um, I know some people have already voted. Um, Do you have any final words for anyone who is about to go through this process? My final thoughts are that I wish that there was a third-party candidate, personally, um, and not because I it's like I dislike the other the two so much, but rather I don't I just feel like if there were three sides to I don't know there's there's more than two sides to everything, and that may be totally not what you're looking for, but that's my opinion. <laughs> there you go. We need a third party, and not one that's just going to kind of show up and kind of be in the corner. Right. Yeah. You're you're probably going to make a lot of Joe Jerkinson fans mad but hey i if, if she had a shot at winning i would vote for her well but i, uh, I don't feel like personally i don't feel like she has a shot at winning so yeah it's it's been something that everybody's been talking about and mm-hmm. i feel like every christian platform is kind of addressing this in some way you know how, how are we supposed what's our attitude supposed to be like you know how are we supposed to vote how are we supposed to do this how are we supposed to treat others um and i guess just looking at you know this being around the corner and i guess no matter what happens um i think things are going to change in this country um you know one side says that uh you know if you don't vote for my candidate we're gonna we're gonna burn things to the ground and then you know if if their candidate does win then things will change for a lot of people um and 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 so I'm not mentioning people by name on purpose, but um, I think that we can kind of, you know, guess as to what I'm referring to. But, you know, regardless of what happens, things are going to change, uh, I think. And so, well, it reminds me a lot, and I I don't mean to interrupt, but it reminds me a lot of like the conversation we had so many years ago about uh, the war on terror is like, you know, there's there are people of the Muslim faith out there who are not radical wants to kill you every second of their breath uh type of people there are also people who in christianity and they're called the kkk that are very harmful and very anti-christ in their attitude and so there's i bring that up to say there are people in every situation that are going to take it to the extreme they're going to take it to be hurtful and so it doesn't matter what side you're on uh that's not what it's about so let's let's be like christ and let everything else work itself out. Yeah, and I think that that mindset of being like Christ and having our mind set on Christ—that's mm-hmm. really where we have to be. You know, especially if there are changes or if the news goes crazy, you know, or or anything like that. We just we have to remember as Christians about our citizenship. You know, our true mm-hmm. citizenship is that of heaven. You right. know, this is you know we're in a tent. You know, and you know this is not our permanent dwelling. Uh, and, and so when we talk about putting our faith in something or putting our trust in something, uh, we first and foremost always must trust God, uh, regardless of what the outcome is. 
um, we have to trust in him um, and depend upon him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are some some things that we uh, need to remember. If you haven't voted yet and you're planning to, you know, I encourage you perform that civil duty, but do so without hatefulness, without regret, um, without you know these feelings that that really are worldly minded. Uh, yeah. Because again, you know, where is our citizenship foremost? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's some some things perhaps we just need to remember going into Absolutely. this election. Jesus talks about give what to Caesar, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and he's you know basically telling his disciples, everybody listening, uh, it doesn't really matter. You know, this little dollar bill here, this coin, uh, it's going to be burned up eventually, and so. Where are you storing your treasure? And unfortunately, during election season, a lot of people store their treasure on earth. Right. And I, th- I think that we need to make sure we encourage each other to like be focused on things above. Well, let's go ahead and get into our recommendations. Um, Logan, yeah, would you like to definitely. share yours first? Absolutely. I'm going to take and go with uh, one of my favorite authors. His name is Francis Chan. Um, you, if you, you may know of him. Uh, Zach, I don't know. I don't think we've even talked about any of his works, but this one is called Multiply, um, and it is it's called Multiply: Disciples Making Disciples. And the first first part of it is really talking about, you know, what are what is a disciple? You know, are we really disciples? Looking inward, are we disciples? And if we are disciples, if we meet that definition, are we making other disciples? Because that's actually part of the definition of discipleship is continuing to make other disciples. And a lot of times we just like to do our checklist. And yeah, I'm going to church and yeah, I'm being a good person. Yeah, hey, I gave to the church and all this stuff. Uh, but what does true discipleship mean? So it's a really good book. And I think that that ties in really well with what we kind of just talked about. You know, where are we as far as our relationship with God, but more extensively other people? Because the church and really the people in the world because we're all made in his image we're extensions of god yeah and being those extensions we are we're doing his work uh and then and so that's a big part of uh you know this podcast is you know not encouraging people just to make you feel good right. um you know we are trying to to bear up uh so that we can accomplish this work together absolutely you know, i haven't actually figured out how many you know hundreds of miles we are apart from each other logan uh, we, we, but we are, and but we're we're still in a way we are working together, um, right. and in our separate worlds and beyond this podcast, we're working for the kingdom, you know, united in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So we need to have that that mindset uh, of you know to multiply uh, right. as Christians. Uh, the book that I want to share, I, I, I have a funny story that that comes with it uh, that I want to share, and, and so. In college, uh, one of our professors, I guess he was teaching our uh, critical introduction to the New Testament class. So I think Logan knows who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he decided to take a few days and just kind of, he was cleaning out his library. Uh, and he was bringing books to the class uh, to share with whoever wanted one. And so his what he was doing was he'd hold up a book, say the title, and the first hand that he saw, he would uh, you know, give that person the book. So he was just handing out these books from his library, uh, and he holds up this one, 
You know, all of these hands are going up like immediately, um, and people are getting you know these faster than everybody else. But then he holds up this book, and it's called uh, Bedside Manners: A Practical Guide to Visiting the Ill. He holds this up, and nobody raised their hands. And I was just like, well, I'll take it. And so I went up there and I grabbed the book. And I just kind of noticed there was a couple Snickers as I was going by. People were kind of laughing that I picked this book. Um, and I guess when you are going to school for ministry, you kind of just assume, well, that's something that you have. That's something that, you know, bedside manners. That's psh. But I want to say this is probably one of the most helpful books uh, for me as a minister mm -hmm. because it talks about how you approach somebody who is in the hospital. Right. How do you talk? What do you say? How do you talk to a terminally ill child? You know, how do you handle those situations that are so difficult um, and um, they just are so intimidating? And so just kind of showing how you can be there for someone, the things that you should say, the things that you should avoid. Um, and so I think that it's been very helpful for me. A lot of people just, they have that difficulty. They don't, they don't visit anyone. Uh, they don't call uh, anyone, uh, you know, members of their congregation that are suffering, uh, mm -hmm. friends, loved ones that they have that are suffering. They just, they don't know what to say. So they just, they don't ever encourage. They don't lift up others. Uh, so it's a great book. We're going to be talking about it a little bit uh, as we kind of go through this. I have a quote I want to share later. Um, but, yeah, it's called Bedside Manners uh, by Katie Maxwell. Uh, I have the, the Kindle version of this, too, uh, so you can get it on, on Kindle as well. Have you really read a book if you haven't read it on Kindle? That's the real question. <laughs> I, I used to not like Kindle stuff. I'm like read from a device paper you know mm -hmm. but uh, that's kind of changed uh, in the past couple years anyway logan and i are going to be discussing um today some practical steps to help uh us and you become better encouragers um i love the fact that we've been talking uh, so much about um how we can be encouraged um, what encouragement means. I think about the first episode that we had uh, about Barnabas and what it means to be an encourager. Um, but I, I think it's another thing to have the mindset to encourage uh, and knowing what to do. You know, how can I go about doing this? Right. What are some ways that I can lift people up? Uh, so we're going to kind of walk through some of the steps that you can do to become a better encourager. Now, I guess there's there's so many other things beyond this, uh, but perhaps this is a stepping stone for perhaps for you that um, are just kind of looking at, all right, you know, how how can I go about doing this? How can I encourage? What's mm -hmm. what's the first thing that I can do? What's something that I can set my mind on um, and, and grow? Because that's what we're trying to do is mm -hmm. is is help each other grow. Yes, as Christians. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, <clears throat> you know what. Those practical steps, there's, well, I won't tell you how many, you'll, you'll find out at the end how many there are. But, uh, but yeah, we'll just go ahead and dive right into this. And, uh, you know, we had kind of laid this out and Zach was asking, you know, 
you think that's it? Do you think there's any more? And I was like, well, I got more, but they're all under these umbrellas. And so we'll kind of elaborate on some of these, uh, hopefully not take too long on each of these. But I'm really excited to talk about this because uh, these are steps that, you know, we don't, we don't think about. And it's stuff that's like, it seems so simple. And I, I come back to that a lot within Christianity. And I'm kind of, I'll, I'm not going to go too much out on a rabbit hole here, but, uh, you know, it's so simple. Like Jesus is just like, come on, we can do this. You got this. And then it's like, but I want to do this. And our, <laughs> our bodies are just so strong in that way. And our, our fleshly willpower is so strong. But anyway, um, it's easy. Uh, but the first thing we can do uh, is kind of cultivate a mindset of encouragement. And a lot, I guess if I were to simplify that, it would be to, you have to want to do it. If a farmer's going to cultivate his ground, he's going to prepare it for crops, he's going to get this thing ready, uh, you have to prepare yourself to be an encourager. And it's not just a, I woke up today and I'm an encourager. And that's great. And maybe you have those days and there are people who can do that. Uh, but for long-term encouragement to be a Barnabas, to be somebody who is labeled as such, you have to want to be that person. And it takes more than just today I'm waking up and doing this. And, you know, when we think about Barnabas and, you know, Joseph, who was given that name, you know, why, why was he given that name? You know, it seems like it was a priority of his to be that kind of person, um, and we don't know the the full mindset of Barnabas. We we really just kind of see what he did. You know, we don't have any teachings from Barnabas or anything right. like that. Um, but you know, we see the kind of man that he was, and it seemed like every turn, every corner, he was trying to build up. Um, he was trying. He had this mindset of encouragement. Uh, so I think that it's important for us to, if we want to be encouragers. We have to live with that kind of purpose. How can I encourage? How can I lift someone up today? What is something that I can do to, for the benefit of others? Um, what can I do? And I think that we can learn this best, not just from Barnabas, but from Jesus and the rest of the apostles as well. Uh, look, look to their example. Um, like you said, Logan, you have to grow. You know, you're cultivating. Uh, that means that we are, you know, you're preparing for this, preparing for this work. And so kind of developing that mindset, I think oftentimes we, we live life with these blinders on. Um, but when we remove those blinders, we see a lot of opportunities where we can build someone up. The way Jesus handled the woman at the well, um, to me, is the perfect example of encouragement. And maybe there's others um, that are just as good, if not better. But that's the one that always has come to my mind. And uh, the way he handled her with such love and such grace, um, if anybody has the right to say, stop it, you're sinning, it's Jesus. But that's not how he handles it. He encourages her. He shows her love. And I really, that's, and I don't think we think of that instance as encouragement a lot, but it really is because of what he did. And she went from hiding, being by herself, trying to go get water to blowing the trumpet at the front of the parade for Jesus in this Samaritan town. I mean, she was she was literally hiding, and her interaction with Jesus brought her to the front, and, and it wasn't in a look-at-me kind of way, but look, look at him kind of way. Right. And, you know, speaking on that, there's a lot other, of other examples, too, that can go along with that idea. Now, we may not think of them as encouragement, but 
you know, that's what Jesus was doing. We right. think about the woman caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. You know, he first said, before he said, sin no more, which I feel like we kind of focus on a lot, you know, the whole idea that she needed to repent too. Um, she said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to take this thing, this offense that you've done, and I'm not going to blow it out of proportion. I'm not going to judge you because of that. Now go on your way. Um, And, you know, think about Peter after he denied Christ. uh, And he was talking about, you know, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. You know, even in that kind of situation, you know, that was for Peter to grow, for Peter Mm -hmm. to realize some things that were very important after the resurrection of Christ. The next step we want to talk about is developing a bedside manner. Um, And there's a reason why it's called a bedside manner. Uh, because oftentimes it's when somebody is isolated through sickness or illness in some way, they're in a bed. Um, and, and oftentimes we may not feel like regular members of the church, that that's really our responsibility. That's just what the preacher does or what the elders do. Um, but that's something I think that, you know, the rest of the church really ought to be involved in. Um, the brotherly kindness that the Bible talks about. Um, that relationship that we have with each other as the family of God, I, I think it's very clear uh, that we have a responsibility to each other to to care for, to build up, to encourage. You know, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 uh, talks about the sheep and the goats, and he says, you know, those on his right, the sheep, he says, you visited me when I was sick and in prison. You know, you cared for me when I needed food, when I needed clothing. And those on the left, those that he said depart from me, they didn't do any of those things. Um, they, they didn't help others. They didn't visit the sick. They didn't do those kinds of things. And so in that way, Jesus kind of describes that responsibility. But it's so important for us to be able to develop this kind of bedside manner uh, to know how to handle these kinds of situations Um, we had uh, one of our members uh, lost his um, lost his dad um, this year and he's not a very talkative person Uh, he he doesn't really say a whole lot he's just kind of a quiet spirit Um, and I'm introverted and, you know, so I'm really introspective. I'm not very talkative myself, uh, except for when I'm prepared, when I'm doing stuff like this, I can. Um, so I really, you know, just didn't know what to say it sometimes. But I was present. You know, I was there with him. I stood with him. I, you know, prayed with him, did other things like that. And it's not necessarily knowing what to say, um, but just going. And the only way to get better at this is to get out of your comfort zone. Um, Katie Maxwell said in her book, often people say, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to say, or I don't know how I could help. Granted, visiting a sick, sick friend can be tough, but fear of doing the wrong thing should never keep you from visiting. It's important that you maintain that relationship throughout an illness or injury. 
Sticking by a loved one during these times will result in a lot of personal growth for both of you. I think that that's, that's so important, what's in the middle of that, that phrase. Really, fearing that you're going to say the wrong thing, that should never prevent you from visiting, from doing something, from calling somebody. You know, if you're afraid to do it and you don't end up doing it, then what kind of encouragement have you been to that person? Maybe they were, maybe nobody else has stepped up and you had this idea of, I'm going to encourage them, but I really don't know what to say. And, you know, and then, you know, some people, they never get a call. Mm -hmm. They never get somebody to visit. Um, perhaps they just have a few people that want to, but they really don't know what to say. And so I think we have to understand that we have to be proactive in developing that ability. Well, a lot of this, um, <clears throat> first of all, I'll say this is probably, of all the steps we have today, this is probably the hardest for me. <laughs> um, I don't like hospitals. I think I, ha I don't think I've been to the doctor in about five years. But um, <laughs> it's, it's not easy. But the thing I had to learn was that it's so, it's, it, this takes humility. It's not about me. It is so much about the other person that you don't have to say anything. That you can walk in and say, hey, I love you. And that is, that's enough. And I think that we have, we get this idea in our head, and I guess this is what I had, that I'm going to have to go in, I'm going to have to have a conversation with this person, and my biggest fear in the world is going in and seeing somebody who's terminally ill or something seriously wrong and me saying, how are you doing? And like that is terrible bedside manner, but it's like this huge fear of mine, and I'm probably I'm pretty sure I've probably done it, but uh, it's it's a huge, huge presence thing. It has nothing to do with the words that come out of your mouth, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, uh, you know, Zach, in previous episodes. That you know, encouragement is there's a side, there's a silent side to it, and I think that this falls squarely into that. I think of another quote, and I don't know who to attribute this to, but people won't remember what you said. Mm. They'll remember what you do. Right. Um, people will not remember what you said when you walked up to them and they're standing at, you know, in front of the casket of their loved one. They won't remember the words that you said, but they will remember that you were there. They will remember that you came mm -hmm. up and then you hugged them, you shook their hand, you, you know. So, I mean... People will remember that stuff. It's a skill that we have to develop, and I think it's one that not just preachers and, and ministers or, or elders uh, need to develop. Of course they do, but I think every Christian needs to develop this in some way. Yeah, and it, yeah, I would, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just a matter of, <clears throat> I think bedside manner could be something as simple as a card. Um, because, especially right now, like we live in a world right now where you can't even get into the hospital, even if sometimes even if you're related to them, and so that can be as simple as a phone call or a card, um, and uh, you know sometimes those even go further. All right, and so the number three step that we're going to talk about today is understanding the impact of the minimal. You know those little tiny things, kind of like the cards we just referenced. Um, when it comes to encouragement, the devil is in the details, and I know that you know. We're talking about the devil now all of a sudden, but, um, but that's, that's the truth. I mean, it's, it's the littler, the thing, 
the more impactful it'll be. Um, two examples I have around the top of my head of this is like your windshield wiper. You don't realize you need it until it's pouring down rain. I mean, your windshield wiper is the most important piece in your car if it's pouring down rain. Um, we are, uh, me and my wife just bought this house and we're still in the process of remodeling some of it. And I did not realize how much caulking needed to be done on the trim to make it look good. <laughs> and nobody realizes that until you're the one with the caulk gun running it up and down, trying to get every little seam right, trying to get every little detail right. And so it's so uh, detail oriented. That's what encouragement is surrounded by and it's the base of it. Yeah, and it's it's the small things I think that make such a bigger impact than what we might think as encouragers. Right. You know, when you send somebody a card, you may not feel like you've done very much. <laughs> you know, you just might have felt like, well, you know, I wrote my name on this. <laughs> You know, I might have written a couple words. It might have been a card that's already yeah. filled out for me, and I just put it in the mail and, you know, send it on to somebody. I have a few but, of those. Yeah, and then, but, like, <laughs> when they receive that, it's just, like, it means so much. Uh, my mom was diagnosed with uh, COVID, uh, and she, we had two of our ladies from the congregation come, and they brought meals. Uh, mm -hmm. People brought cards, um, you know, people called, people texted. Mom, mom really didn't know what to do. There were like a hundred people trying to, you know, ask questions about COVID, and, but they were also encouraging her and, and um, building her up. And she said, I don't think I've ever felt, you know, in a time of sickness, this much love. Uh, and really it was just people, they sent cards, they made a meal, you know, did those kinds of things. You know, a, a few weeks ago, uh, one of our church ladies, uh, she was dropping off something at the building, and she had made cookies, and she brought me some. And, like, that was just huge to me. That was huge to me. And to her, it was probably just, it was no big deal. She probably made some, you know, and just decided, well, I'll take him some too, mm -hmm. you know. But she had no idea the impact that that made just to have, you know, it's like five cookies. <laughs> but it's a huge deal. It's a big deal to me. Um, and maybe it's a bigger deal to others than, you know, than some. But, you know, receiving a phone call, hey, I missed you on Sunday. You know, hey, how are you doing? You know, I know you've been going through this. And, you know, sometimes things are difficult to talk about. But, you know, just the fact that you show somebody in a minuscule kind of way that you care about them we need to understand the impact of these minimal things um, when we understand how it makes us feel when we receive that I feel like oftentimes that might help us or lead us to, to want to do that for others too I have an envelope it's a big manila envelope and it's right over there in one of those boxes <laughs> I don't know which one but it is full and I mean like I don't I don't know how much more I can get in there of encouragement cards or even cards that people have written me that I just took to heart and found encouraging. And I haven't broke it out recently, but every so often I'll break it out and just read a few. And I bet all of those people in there think that I either threw it away or I don't have it. 
but if I called them by name, they would probably remember writing it. Some of them are from junior high, some of them are from as early as just a few years ago, but that's how long I've had it. And the to think that those people had that effect on me, you know, and they were just writing. And it was probably a bunch, especially the ones from junior high, were just like mass cards that somebody wrote out all together. But I remember one specifically from one of my friends in junior high, and he was like, Logan, you're such a great friend. And it was way more than that, but that's what I remember. And it was like such an encouragement to me at that time um, that I, I keep it because it's so it's something that boosts my heart up. Yeah, and, that was more than 10 years ago, too. Oh, it's a long... I mean, some of them are <laughs> old, man. So I don't know how the ink is still on some of them. But, um, but yeah, it's a long... I mean, some of them are really old. and But that's how... That's the impact that a kind word can have. Um, it, unfortunately, a negative word can have an even greater impact and a deeper psychological impact. But, the, but that's why encouraging is so important because of all the negativity that that as Christians we need to be trying to cancel out of people's minds. Yeah. And that may, and that starts in the little things. That starts in how can I make this person feel good today? Um, and I, as somebody who works in a secular job right now, that's sometimes that's something I really have to keep in the forefront of my mind is every person that comes in there is a valuable and some of them come in really grumpy because their lawnmower does not work and they're mad at me. <laughs> and I have to still find a way to make them in, in my mind. I want them to leave happier than them when they came in. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great step that maybe, um, can be the first thing that, that you try to do, uh, if you're listening, because, you know, if this is something that you're wanting to do to be a better encourager, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to just get started doing the small things. Uh, just to kind of lift up somebody for the day. Uh, I think a great practice is um, once a week, pick two or three people and just send them a text that says, Hey, I was thinking about you. I prayed for you uh, today. Hope you have a good one. I mean, that may not seem like much. Some people might think, well, that's kind of strange. But, but they come away from that knowing that you, that you care. Mm-hmm. You know that you are their friend that you 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 love them you care for them i've got one friend who uh from college and zach you know him i won't call him out but it's it's a good thing so it's not really calling him out but uh every year on my birthday he messages me and that's pretty much usually the only time we reconnect is on my birthday and i for the first time this year it's been about three years in a row for the first time this year last month i realized i don't think i've ever told him happy birthday and I even looked back through our messages and I was like, man, what? But he was still encouraging me in that way. And uh, so I've made a note to make sure I don't forget his birthday again. But that's, I mean, it's its so, the little things just go so far. And uh, we could beat that horse to death, I feel like. But uh, Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and look at number four. I think that it's important that we should be unashamed uh, to become somebody's cheerleader um what does it feel like you know when you know that somebody's in your corner you know if, if you're thinking about the the kind of relationships that you have and maybe you have you know some kind of goal maybe you have you know a business venture maybe you have some kind of you know a work 
or maybe you just you're going throughout life and you just understand and you know that somebody has your back that somebody's always going to be there that somebody you know supports you you know what does it feel like to have that kind of person um you understand that if you can identify that kind of person in your life that, that that's huge um that that is a, a wonderful feeling to have to be you know, to have somebody in your corner. But what really does it take for others to realize that you are in their corner? You know, what are some things that you can do to help them know that you, you've got their back? That, you know, you are somebody that's going to be there for them, going to be there to encourage, to lift up, to build up. Um, it's not going to be by words, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's, you know, going to be, you know, a preacher who gets up and he preaches and he doesn't build a relationship with, you know, the church. I don't feel like a lot of the members there um, believe truly that he's, you know, in their corner. You know, it's a person who's involved. And I think a great way to show somebody that you care um to be their kind of cheerleader in a way is just to be present. You know, are they graduating? You know, can you be at that graduation? Is it possible to, to attend that? You know, it are, you know, are they doing something, you know, obscure, some kind of achievement, some kind of award, you know, are they a nurse that's, you know, has their pinning, you know, their, their special ceremony that, you know, when they become a nurse, um, you know, are you, you know, can you go to that? Can you attend those kinds of things? You know, someone who has a baseball game, a concert. You know, of course, a lot of these things we might think about, you know, those who are younger. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do to encourage people with, you know, our presence. Um, and I think that it's important for us not to ask the question, is this weird or is am I going too far you know, would it be strange if I was there at this kind of thing? I don't think we should ask those kinds of questions um, because us being there can make a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. I think instead of asking, you know, is this too much? We should be asking, am I doing enough? You know, if, am I doing enough to show somebody that they have my full support in life. You know, they have my full support as a brother or as a sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be there for them. You know, I think that's kind of a deeper level of encouragement. It's a deeper level of, you know, building relationship with others. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I tried to do, and I, I, I tried to do it here too, is... You know, I, I want to get the schedules of the kids that, you know, play sports. Um, I went to almost every single soccer game for our kids in, uh, the, at the last work that I went to, you know, that I was involved in. Um, we've got kids here that play baseball and stuff like that. I want to go to those games. I want to support them, you know, not just to support the kids, but to support the parents. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, just kind of say... You know, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a cheerleader for you. Um, and men who are listening, a cheerleader? Psh, that's not me. I'm not. You know, I'm not anything like a cheerleader. Um, but 
you know, I think it's okay for us to be like that. We have two men here at Moultrie, and I guess we have more than that, but I have, you know, two that really have just kind of gone out of their way recently in the past, I don't know, several months or so, that have just kind of gone above it beyond in trying to encourage me and lift me up and build me up as as a minister, as a Christian. Um, and I would say they're, they're cheerleaders in a way. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, they're one of the reasons why, you know, I, I can have, I can get up and have a good attitude and, and do the work of ministry. Um, so I, I think that it's a good idea to realize that we should be unashamed to, to be that kind of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's so much deeper than, um, than words. And, you know, we've alluded to this already. We talked about that in the bedside manner. Your, your presence is impactful, <clears throat> but a lot of times it's just your, your attempt <laughs> is impactful, right? Like I, I, I don't, I understand. I understood as a kid that my youth minister could not come to every single game because I was one of 50 other kids in the youth group. Uh, and so I wasn't expecting that, but when he came, and he had his camera and he was taking pictures and then I came Sunday morning and the pictures were on the wall in the youth room like that that was the definition of a cheerleader you know you know well what are we doing like we're cheering you on I know you're not gonna be a professional baseball player Logan but I'm gonna take pictures of you and put it on the wall because I care about you (laughs) um and so it's so much it's and there were times he'd come and do that and never said a word to me and I but I saw him there I'd wave at him but what would it be like and what would the world be like if nobody was cheering anybody on? Where would we be if everybody had to self-motivate 100% of the time? Self-motivation is a great thing and if you and a lot of people need it. A lot of people don't have it need it. A lot of people have a lot and should share with me. But, um, <laughs> but there's times where you can't self-motivate and you need somebody to say, you can do this, let's go. And that's what a cheerleader's for. It's for those yeah. times where I don't want to get up. I don't want to. I, I don't want to pray to God because I don't feel like He's been nice to me, or whatever. You know, like encouragers are supposed to be that person who says, "Look, this is gonna be fine," and I'm here for you, and God's here for you, and that's what a cheerleader is, and that's really what it boils down to. Um, and I know that I kind of branched off in a couple of different areas under this umbrella here, no, Zach. And I think that's great because we need to realize, you know, so much of what we talked about have been like sports or different things like that. But like, you can be somebody's cheerleader when you notice that their kids are really well behaved, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just say, "I, you know, I think you you're doing a great job. You know, you're doing a great job." Uh, when you see that somebody is involved in some kind of work of ministry. I'm so thankful to have you as as a brother. We are so lucky to have you uh, as a member of the congregation here doing this kind of work. Um, you know, and even if you don't see anything, you can still say nice things. You know, I had someone tell me one time, and it was um, it just kind of felt strange the, the the idea that he was teaching, but it shouldn't be at all. In this lesson, he was talking about someone in Scripture who introduced someone as my brother whom I love. And why don't we do things like that? 
This is my brother who I love. This is my sister who I love. You know, why don't we tell our brethren, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that might sound strange. And it might, you know, you know, those tough people that are quiet and they don't say a whole lot. And, you know, but they understand what you say. You know, they understand that extra, you know, I love you. I'm glad to know you. You know, even when you can't really figure out what what to say, you can still be there to support somebody. And I think that's what really being a cheerleader is all about. Absolutely. And uh, if you've made it this far, you've made it to the end. We only had five steps, so that's a good holy number. Um, but uh, five step number five to become a better encourager. Now, this isn't the end. Let's let me make sure I under, we get that clear that that's not the end all be all. But um, it's more on a personal level. You know, kind of we come in full circle. We start on a personal level, and now we're back to a personal level. And it's engage deliberately on your study and your training. You know, this is, you have to focus on being a encourager. You have to want to do it. You have to deliberately want to study. You have to deliberately want to train to get to where you want to be. There are books out there. Um, my favorite one is called um, uh, The Bible. Um, that talks about how we can encourage people. And, um, you know, like... That's a good one. I mean, I'm serious, though. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of material out there that breaks it down into plain modern English. Uh, But when we look at people's actions in the Bible, because it's not going to... The Bible doesn't just come out and say, X, Y, and Z, this is how you be an encourager. Uh, We look at people's actions. Who are the encouragers? What does Barnabas do? What does Jesus do? Uh, you have to read between the lines. You have to be smart to read the Bible, but you also have to be childlike. Um, and those are two different things. Um, you, but childlike does not mean dumb. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it does. But uh, you, have to be, um, you have to be humble, and you, but you also have to understand that I've got to read a little bit between the lines that Barnabas is called the encourager, and that's all we see that it stops right there. Why doesn't he ever tell me how to be an encourager? Well, it's because we've got to look at his actions. The Bible doesn't call him an son of encouragement just because, you know, let's study. What does he do? What does Jesus do? And we talked about this a little bit too. There's, there's a deliberacy. Is that a word? Deliberacy? I'm sure somebody will tell me probably my grandmother. Uh, there's a, there has to be a deliberate steps to be taken as far as, you know, how am I an encourager? Because you can be somebody who just talks, and I'm one of them. But sometimes I talk myself into a corner, and I'm no longer encouraging. I'm just saying words. <laughs> and so how am I continually being an encourager? And it's keeping one foot with God and one foot in the Word. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And there's, like you said, you know, we turn to the Bible. That should be our primary place. Um but then there are other good resources. There are some other things. And they kind of, you know, one reason why I like this book, too, is it's very scripturally based. Uh, there's even a reference in the back of all the scriptural references that are taken throughout this book. Um, so heavily leaning upon that. Um, I'm going to plug a good friend and, and minister. Um, and I'm not really sure if he's scheduling any of these right now. Um, but Michael Whitworth does a seminar and it's called, it's just a grief seminar. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came and he did this here uh, at Moultrie. But, you know, kind of walking through um, the stages of grief and not necessarily like, you know, this is step one, this is step two, you know, right. those kinds of things. Because grief works different for different people. And you experience, you know, depression in different stages and, and anger in different stages and different things like that. But even beyond that, it's, it's kind of helping people to understand how to process those things. And even more so, how do you help somebody who is who is suffering, who is going through you know, grief. Um, and so I want to, wanted to plug that. Um, and I think another great thing that you can do is just have conversations with people. You know, if, if you're wondering how you can encourage to be somebody, to be active, to be somebody who, who builds somebody up, because the church desperately needs those kinds of people. The church needs people to say, what can I do to help? Um, it may be a good idea to talk to your preacher, uh, to talk to the elders, uh, to talk to some of the older members, you know, to seek that kind of wisdom that they can offer about what it means to be an encourager. And, and maybe you've looked through the Bible and you've looked at certain passages, but perhaps they have a different perspective. Perhaps they've done a little bit different kind of study and, and have seen some things that maybe we haven't picked up on. So I think it's just important that if we're going to be deliberate about studying and training in um, an encouragement, then we we need to consult some sources. We need to look at you know those who are wise and have that kind of understanding, and and those that um, might be able to help with that. Right. Um, I I'm not afraid to say I look to Logan. To help me be a better encourager, you know, I look to others in my life and look to their example as as how to be an encourager. Um, and so it just takes. And you're right; it kind of goes back to the very first step about cultivating the mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just have to be deliberate. It's so easy to do nothing. It's so easy to just, you know, maybe throw out a word when everybody else is. But part, so much of encouragement is being a step above and being Christ-like. And I, it, I feel like I'm a broken record because of how simple it is, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you're not as good of an encourager as you should be or as you maybe as you could be. So how am I getting better daily? And that's that I've got to cultivate. I've got to be deliberate. Yeah. And, you know, none of these things are groundbreaking. Right. None of these things that we've talked about uh, are, you know, things that you probably haven't ever heard before. Um, but it just takes mentioning that, you know, we have to have some intention behind it. We right. have we have to, you know, be purposeful about being an encourager. Um, you know, doing those little things, being there for somebody. You know, we've all heard this stuff before. Oh, yeah. But... It takes stepping up. And when we don't do anything, um, I think, and I know I've already brought this up, Matthew chapter 25, the kind of people that are going to enter heaven versus those who will not are the kind of people that do more than just, you know, I, I carry my Bible with me and I do, you know, 
what I think I ought to, and you know, I, I believe all the right things. Uh, it takes servants. It takes, you know, Jesus was a servant. He calls us to be disciples, to be true disciples. And so we follow him. We, we are servants too. Um, so we have to be intentional about that. We have Absolutely. to step up. And I hope that this conversation has been helpful, you know, because, you know, we just need that extra boost. It's been helpful to me to be able to talk to you, Logan, about this. I'm very thankful that we've had this conversation and that you who are listening have been able to join us for this as well. Um, mm-hmm. Logan, why don't you lead us in a prayer and we'll sort of wrap things up. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for today, and I thank you so much for this opportunity. We could uh, talk and just discuss how we can be better people, more Christ-like to our brothers and sisters. Help us as we go from here to, to grow daily and to cultivate our lives and be deliberate with who we want to be. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Bearing Up, whether you're watching or listening. Uh, today we're brought to you by the Ministry League Network. Uh, whether you're familiar with it or not, the Ministry League Network is a really cool app, and there's a lot of goes into it. There's so many resources for ministers and uh, Christians of all walks. Download their app, the Ministry League, or just go to ministryleague.com and look at all their resources and all the kinds of things they have on there. And also, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook. Please uh, subscribe, follow us on those things. Also look at uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Um, whether you're you know, watching or listening, we love having you um, as a part of this program uh, to support us and, and so we can encourage you. If you know a young minister or really anybody who needs encouragement, let us know and we'll, we, can, we will try to send them some encouragement as well or maybe even have them on the podcast. Just send us suggestions at bearingup.podcast at gmail.com or private messages on Facebook or any of our social media. Finally, if you'd like for us to have a Q&A session, send us a message, an email, uh, whatever it may be with your questions, comment below. Uh, we'd love to have one of those episodes. And thanks again for joining us. Thanks for watching.